0: and welcome to Take a Knee. Thanks again for joining me here today. I don't want to get too deep today, but I wanted to talk about something that really is plaguing our generation. Now, has this plagued every generation? Absolutely. In fact, God foresees this as being one of the major stumbling blocks for mankind, and that is idolatry. When we think of idolatry, a lot of us We don't understand it because when we think of idolatry, we think of the old pagan ways, the graven images, the iconoclasm, the times in history where we worship pictures or carved marbled people. Of course, that was much later in church history where there was a stumbling. And that's something that the church has argued over for generations. But if we go back to, of course, the Ten Commandments, and the First Commandment, that will make no graven image in God's likeness, whether it be of birds or animals or anything like that. And so I wanted to talk about that here today, because when it comes to modern understanding of idolatry, we don't always catch it. And I think a lot of Christians just read over the top of idolatry, and they just assume that that was just an old school thing, that that was just what they struggled with in Athens or Ephesus or Corinth. Of course, they didn't struggle with that in Jerusalem among the Jews. That was not a stumbling block for them. They were well-trained and versed in that you never worship, you know, something that's created, although that's not to say that they didn't struggle with idolatry in the way we're going to understand it here today. But Again, Paul is going to speak to them, and he teaches on it quite often in his epistles, to talk about idolatry and how it is also named greed. Now, that is a little closer to home, isn't it? That helps us to understand what is really taking place when we think of idolatry. We don't think of greed when we think of worshiping some graven image. But just remember this, that those who worship the graven images thought that they were god and that they thought that by paying homage to that graven image that they would get some kind of special consideration whether it be for fertility or whether it be for your crops being better this year but then it got even worse where there was sacrifices that would take place at these idols there would be rites that would take place in order to honor this deity whether it be athena or artemis or any of the other pantheon gods or just like i said you know when we start to get into animism then you can look at the worship of animals and pantheism where we worship trees and mountains rocks all of this is idolatry and when we think of idolatry and i want to want to help you understand that today that it is bypassing god it is trying to get why it is greed And I'm going to help you with that right now. Why it is greed is because we try to bypass God himself by going to some substitute. And we fool ourselves into thinking that this substitute is going to give us what we want, provided we shed blood or we show enough remorse or genuflection in order to appease what is always just from the get-go an entity that wants to harm us or that is displeased with us. So where greed comes in is that we would say, well, to God himself, I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to stop doing what I'm doing. I just want to appease you with some quick, easy way of offering up a bowl of fruit or a sampling of my grain or whatever. Now, is it to say that historically, that offerings to God were given? Well, of course, we know that offerings were given. The burnt offering, the freewill offering, the offerings of money, the offerings of time, the offering, of course, of the pigeons and bulls and goats, and of course, the atonement lamb. All these things were taught, but they were all incomplete. They were all leading up to the final sacrifice in Jesus Christ, the one for all, one and done. As they say. But do people continue to try to even appease the living God? Has idolatry worked its way even into a Christian's life? I think sometimes it does. Let me just show you one way that may get you started and won't be able to certainly explain it all. I call it the two idols of mankind as we know it now. It's going to get a little deep, but hang with me. I call it the it and the id. The it and the id, and the it is represented by our environment or by the creation, the things that we see, the earth and all of its beauty. It's it. It is when we walk outside and our eyes see this, the science that has been taught to every child. Now, we're talking about a world that is not explained in the context of God himself, or the creator. Let's just say it that way. There's no creator in their minds. So they see the patterns of creation. And instead of seeing an intelligent design, they think it's random. And then of course that amazes us, but you got to ask yourself the question, well, how amazing could it be if it's just random? I guess it's just random that, wow, that happened so many billions of times over and over and over again, that it made an eye that can see for a mile in an eagle. Well, yeah, I'd say that's, pretty amazing when you think of randomness. Math is amazing, I guess. Well, then we look at animals and oceans, and we look at the mountains, and we're just blown away by its beauty. And we can say, look what nature has done. We even call it Mother Nature. It's a sort of pantheism, but without really any worship or intelligence. Because I think sometimes we just back away and just say, well, don't know how it happened, but it did happen. And it took so many different repetitions of making something over and over and over and over and over and over over again, that finally it settled on something so incredibly intelligent looking, but it wasn't really made by anything. It just is. This nature that we're talking about is far too complex and old for any God to have thought out. So they dismissed the idea of God altogether. And then it comes down to the more that they discover, the more they're awed by nature. Well, in reality, we should be awed by God. But the people in this world are taught to be awed by the it. Just be awed by what you see. And so we are tempted to not just worship the creator, but the created thing. Paul speaks about this in Romans chapter 1. It has been the nature of man that without God, we end up worshiping it and that is idolatry. Then we have what I call the id, and that is the human consciousness. It is the ability to manipulate this world through science, mental ability, ingenuity, and physical strength. The id is the human part of what can be idolatrous. So we worship the created thing, and then we worship ourselves. We worship What we can do, what we can figure out. We worship our ingenuity and physical strength. And then we just stand back and are awed by what we have thought and done. Philosophy is, look at us. We're smarter than God. If there was one. These idols that I'm talking about here today, the it and the id, they're idols that stand against God. They are a world without God. They are a world we all were taught at various levels when we went to public school. In fact, I was just chatting with a friend who was discovering that a famous radio talk show host, guy who has a podcast and also a television program, was discovering that there was a flood, that there was this cataclysmic event that took place in the world. Now, look, I mean, when I grew up and took all the science that I took, and I took a lot, a lot of science, a global flood was never mentioned to me, ever. It never was a part of the discussion that it could have possibly have been what created the Grand Canyon, that made some of the changes in what we might call the continental shift, or that there were things in this world that the sedimentary graduation that we see in the soils and all of these things that, that could possibly have been done by a flood. And so anyway, we were getting a kick out of the fact that this guy was just discovering this. Of course, we're happy that they have discovered something new because obviously the flood would be pretty important when it comes to how our Earth is presented to us now. If there was a global flood, well, clearly the activity of water as it surged over the face of the Earth would have done incredible change and destruction to the surface of the Earth. So, that when the water settled into oceans or evaporated and created all the clouds we see, so on and so forth, or even some of it go back down into the earth, that it would make sense that as we look around and say, well, yeah, now that our eyes are open to the reality, we can see it's true. But some of us are not taught these things. We're taught other things. We're taught that it just is, or that there were these other systems that happened, you know, i.e., evolution natural selection, other things that we have now since looked at with a more intelligent mind, which I find so incredible, that the more we learn of science, the more we're willing to dig deeper into the strata of human understanding, the strata of even the physical earth. We discover things that we didn't know and we can't explain. And we can't explain them because we just refuse to break out of our particular frame of thinking. The worldview, as they call it, is so incredibly important to how you will then view everything. It's like putting in glasses, and they're colored glasses, and you will see everything with that hue. You'll see everything with that color that is overlaid, everything. So everything looks green. Everything is rose. Everything is shaded. You know, I was watching recently, perhaps you've seen it too, where they have these glasses you can buy. They can help a person who is colorblind. You know, I love watching those videos. Do you know why I love watching them? Because I love seeing the surprise. I love seeing the emotion on the eyes of a young person who has never seen color in all of their lives. And they put those glasses on for the first time and they're able to see red and yellow and blue and greens And they're just emotional. They almost always break down. And I'm talking grown men, tough guys with their wife or friends buy them these glasses that allow them to see in color, that they always break down. They always get emotional. And the reason why is because they're now viewing the world as the world really is. And you think about what Jesus did. It's such an exceptional analogy of what Jesus did when he came to the earth. He provided us with an opportunity. He gave us a set of glasses to be able to see the world as it really is. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the light of the world. He said that I bring the true reflection, the vision, the eyesight, of what is really happening in the earth. You overlay our vision with truth. It's interesting when Paul was defending his faith to either Festus or King Agrippa, I forgot who it was, but when he's defending his faith and talking about his faith, he talked about truth, and they thought that was pretty funny. They said, well, what is truth? Because of course, as philosophers, as Romans or Grecians, Greek peoples, they would have been interested in philosophy And philosophy would always lead to more philosophy. A few questions would only open up more questions, which is what the beauty of what Jesus was saying. Jesus came to say, look, the buck stops with me. You have a lot of questions. I'm your answer. And if you will open your heart, if you'll put on the glasses of the gospel, if you'll put on the glasses of Jesus, then your worldview will become sharpened and you'll begin to see things that you missed. Even the things that are kept from us, even the things that are sitting there is obvious, is as night is and day, and this is quite a reality. I call it the broom in the closet effect, when we think in terms of seeing something in the corner, and yet after a while, you don't see it anymore, because it becomes a part of the landscape. You don't see the forest for the trees, right? You don't You don't see, you're looking so closely up at something that you can't see its grand schematic. And that really describes this world. And let me just say one other thing. The whole point and purpose of idolatry, the it and the id, is to distract you. Then we're so focused on what is created, or when we so focus on ourselves narcissistically, then we don't see the world as it is. We're blinded. We're not looking for the truth. And so, as much as inside us, we know when we look at creation that someone, something created this. It's too complex. It's impossible. There are too many numbers, too many zeros behind a number of how you would make the human eye, of how DNA has come to being and how individual and intricate the DNA is. No one can really explain that. Other than the other day, I heard a guy say that he felt like it was aliens who came and sewed a DNA on a crystal and the crystal then began the process of evolution. Who's the weird guy now? I believe in a man named Jesus who told me that his father created it all. You believe in an alien who came to the earth and put DNA on a crystal. Well, which one's more ridiculous? I don't know. From my vantage point, I've got to say the latter, right? The truth is Jesus said, I am your set of glasses. And if you will put them on, then you'll be able to see. What does this really take us to? It takes us down to what is called faith. And faith is believing what God has said about creation and us. By what was created and the created being, who we are. That's the biggest thing. I When I studied philosophy is everybody just wants to look on the inside. and If I think, therefore I am. And I have an image of a particular thing. Therefore, it must exist. Consciousness is a mystery, but it is not outside the bounds of knowing that our consciousness, that who we are, are incredible creations by God. We're not just like the animal who has just a soul of emotion. We have a spirit. We seek through our intelligence and through our innate hardwired abilities to wonder about the creation and the creator, it's all there. There's still a remnant. They always wonder, okay, where did the appendix come from? What was it made for? Well, I think they know a whole lot more than they knew maybe 50 years ago. But the truth is, what an example of, well, we don't know what it is. Therefore, it must be just an appendage from some pre evolutionary man. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's probably more likely that it has some purpose that we just haven't discovered yet. Maybe it's in the drawer of wisdom yet discovered. Well, science is an amazing thing. And I don't shut the door on science. I do believe that science, when God is not involved, takes us away from him. And I think when it comes to the it and the id, those are things that bring us to an idolatrous solution. And what is that? That is worship, folks. And if we're worshiping money, we're worshiping ourselves, or we're worshiping the created thing, Paul tells us that that will lead us to reprobation. That will lead us to a place that is self-destructive. And so we see a lot of this in mankind today. We're seeing it in a lot of things that are going on in our culture today. And we should give it a think. And we should ask God to deliver us from idolatry and that we would stop worshiping the created thing. We would stop worshiping the science. We would stop worshiping the idols of man's cleverness and ingenuity, but that we should worship the living God. And we should remember that his son is the key to all of it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the father, the creator, except through him. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, I thank you God for everyone who joined me here today. Lord, may you smite, Lord, the propensity, Lord, the proclivity in all of us, God, to worship the created thing and Lord to even worship mankind and what we create. Lord, the Tower of Babel was a wonderful reminder in the story that Lord, man is always going to attempt to try to outdo you and to build a world, a life Without you, Lord, this is futile. And Lord, there is a curse upon it. And I just pray that, Lord, now we would just denounce that and that, Lord, we will worship you and you only because you deserve it. You deserve all of our praises, all of our worship. Lord, you are the creator, God, and you did all of this for us, Lord, for the created beings to enjoy. And Lord, may we understand that, that it's a gift to us. It makes it no less wonderful, Lord, if we take science out of it. Lord, I thank you for that. Now, Lord, make us grateful. Lord, make us knowing. Open our eyes to see, Lord, the reality of our planet and, Lord, the reality of our lives in the midst of it. Lord, again, bless us and keep us now in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. God bless you, folks. You have a wonderful week. We'll see you again next time.